Hello and welcome to Bold Conscious Connections, the show where we delve into the journeys of exceptional individuals who have embraced their true potential. My name is Raju Panjwani, your guide on this adventure of discovery. In each episode, we connect with inspiring leaders, entrepreneurs, and visionaries who share their stories of transformation, resilience, and success. This is a space for you to find inspiration, my friends, learn from others' experiences, and ignite your own path of personal and professional growth. Now, so whether you're seeking a spark of motivation or strategies for success, join us on this journey of bold and conscious connections. In this refreshed season four, Bold Entrepreneurial Tales, we're celebrating the stories of individuals who bravely stepped beyond traditional roles to follow their entrepreneurial hearts, as I say. These are not just business stories. They're personal journeys of courage, creativity, and transformation. Whether you're dreaming of starting your own venture or seeking inspiration to keep going, these tales are for you. Join us as we share relatable life experiences, real life experiences, challenges and triumphs that resonate with your journey towards success and fulfillment. Now, without further ado, let me get to today's episode. Talk about breaking the mold. Talk about being bold and being conscious. I've been trying to get Kiran Gandhi, who's also known as Madam Gandhi, for a very long time on this podcast because she is the true testimony for what bold means and what consciousness means. She's an award-winning artist and activist known for her uplifting percussive electronic music and positive message about gender liberation and personal power. She began producing music in 2015 after her story running the London Marathon Free Bleeding to Combat Menstrual Stigma went viral around the world. Yes, she is really bold, guys. She is the former drummer for Artists MIA and Thievery Corporation. She's been listed as a TED Fellow, Forbes 30 Under 30 in Music, and BBC 100 Women. Her song, The Future is Female, was featured as the theme song for the 2022 Hillary Clinton Apple TV docuseries, Gutsy, about the world's boldest and bravest women. Her mission is to use her music and voice as a medium for a message about positivity, personal expression, and thriving. The conversation we had, my friends, is really worth listening to. You, you will be inspired. You'll be moved. There are so many revelations here. I can hardly wait for you to listen to this, comment on this, download it, share with other friends. Really, it's a great opportunity for you to connect with one of the most compelling voices of our times. Over to Kiran and my conversation. Well, I want to welcome this amazing force of nature named Kiran Gandhi, who performs as Madam Gandhi, an award-winning artist and activist known for her uplifting, percussive, electronic music and positive image that is all about gender liberation and personal power. So I know that that's who you are and what you're what you live for. I'm going to put all the description of who more about what Kieran does and is doing this today. But first of all, welcome, Kieran. Thank you so much, family friend. You know we've grown up together, so it's really special to come back in this context. Thank you for having me. Uh, 
Totally. I really appreciate it. So it's been a long time coming, as you know. So Karen, the, usually the first question I ask most of my guests, and you know, um, this podcast is about unity consciousness, which is not usually understood by most people, but my listeners tend to be people who are, you know, who know they have so much to give in life and actually be, be creative and, and live their truths, but they're not bold enough. And you are such mm. an epitome of being bold. So I'm going to say, who is Kiran Gandhi mm. as opposed to what she does? Mm, I love it. I am light. I am power, joy, freedom, resilience, bravery, fearlessness. These are some of the words that I hold as my own personal values and personal tenets. And my mm -hmm. name, Kieran, means ray of light, first ray of light. And I always felt grateful to my parents for that name because I feel that it is the way that I try to prioritize my own values and my own choices. That's wonderful because in my book, in my living, I, I have, as you start writing and saying things and tapping into your power, as you say, authenticity, congruence comes to mind. So from, from my perspective, I see authenticity in action. So in your journey, though, there must have been moments of profound internal shift for you, right? When you're doing the work you do. I know a couple of things and we'll talk about those, but can you share a deeply personal experience that transformed your core beliefs and how it has redirected your path, both sort of, you know, artistically and as a force for social change? Yes. You know, I actually feel that I'm constantly seeking these transformational experiences as intentionally as I can. I, on a daily basis, if it's possible, really genuinely, I think for so long in my childhood and, you know, early 20s, let's say, it was always about playing a bit of a role self unconsciously, you know, wanting to make your parents happy, wanting to be considered the star child, being the eldest child. So, you know, getting good grades, having sort of on paper resume accolades. But the truth is that luckily I was always really tapped into my own joy and really aware of when I genuinely lit up. And it was usually moments when I followed my own intuition and my own path, you know, not necessarily in alignment with what adults were guiding me to do. And it was times when I would sneak backstage in New York City or lie about my age so that I can meet the drummer, you know, on stage afterwards or playing the drums myself um, and noticing how it delivered joy to so many people and inspiration to so many people, uh, let alone personal power to myself. And so every time that I have chosen to follow intuition and joy, I have reaped the benefits of it such that that joy outweighs the small marginal benefits of playing a role that appeases other people, even if it's your own parents. And so the more I would strengthen that muscle, which is choosing my own major at college, like choosing math to make my parents feel good, but then choosing gender liberation and gender studies because that just genuinely interested me or pursuing a job at a record label, you know, Universal Music, which was not a traditional career path, very non-traditional, but an incredible job, you know, legitimate salary, touring around the world, drumming for MIA, you know, running the London Marathon, free bleeding, choosing a partner yeah. who lives out here in London. There's just so many countless experiences in my life that every time I've moved from a place of joy and intuition, I have reaped the benefits of it. And so I like to keep my path uh, weaving in the moment. Well, you know, for a lot of people, some of this is above their heads, I think, you know, for even, even, I mean, I, I get, I get it as much as I can get it, but you know, I'm, I'm an oldest child too. So, you know, pleasing the parents becomes a paramount thing because that's all you come into life with and the program's already been set and you were supposed to follow it. So how would you say that, because joy, you would think is universal. Everybody has it. How do you, what does it take to tap into it? Because it's you. 
you said sort of natural to you, but you know, for people who are living a life of external, you know, five senses, how do you recognize that you, you are joy and love? I think the first is to really spend time by yourself. When we decontextualize things and we stop going on Instagram for a moment and stop talking to other people, you are left with only yourself. And I find that to be very profound. And it takes sometimes digger soul searching and deeper work to identify what it is that it even gives us joy. And I'll never yes. forget in the pandemic, you know, 2020, so many things that I love were taken away from me. And I was really left to sit with myself in my beautiful loft in downtown LA that had such memories. And I had such depression. You know, I had such sadness. I felt so low and I didn't expect it because I thought, oh, I'm a happy person. I travel the world. I make my music. But I noticed that so many things that I derived joy for, from were still external and they were still accolades and they were still reward oriented, dopamine oriented. And so since the pandemic, that really began my own spiritual journey, you know, stop, like I've completely let go of alcohol. It's been three years, no smoking. I eat plant-based. Like there's just a lot of choices that I made to start clearing the temple so that I could start kind of digging deeper and finding that light. For me, I know that I am feeling joyful when I'm not looking left and right at what other people are doing, when I don't feel jealous of somebody else. When I don't seek, I don't want to buy anything. I don't want to overeat. I don't want to, I don't need anything. It's a sense of deep spark, satisfaction, light. And then more so than anything, it's actually now having something to give. You have your own presence to give, your own awareness, your own happiness, your own affirmation. You have bandwidth to support others. So these are some of the ways that I would describe my own relationship to joy and how I maintain it. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful, Karen. So you've taken, you mentioned uh, the London Marathon earlier, but you've taken bold steps and challenge societal norms, such as the decision to free bleed during the marathon, which I know a lot of people who I don't even know, you know, when I mention something about that, they, they know about you. So these are, would you call them acts of defiance or, or, or is it that, you know, obviously it's shaped your mission and, and what you're doing today. So, so can you talk a little bit about if it's an act of defiance or what was that about for you? When you're not seeking the affirmation of others, you are immediately free and you're immediately able to think critically and have your own relationship and, and you have confidence in your own ability to analyze and make a decision. And I remember being at the London Marathon and I was like, you know, I'm on day one of my period. I don't know what people do in this situation. It doesn't sound comfortable to run for four and a half hours with these products that really don't seem fit for the job. And so it wasn't, it, you know, it's funny because it wasn't supposed to be this global viral um, act of defiance. It was just me showing up for myself and my, and my own body that day, making the decision that I knew was radical. I'd never really seen anybody free bleeding, but I also knew it was badass. And it also gave me an opportunity to celebrate bodies that bleed, you know, bodies that menstruate. So I remember running and I'm bleeding and I'm like, wow, like, this is amazing. Like, this is like punk rock. Like, this is badass. Like, I knew it were, there was something there. It was just so raw. And I think I pleasantly surprised myself because I had never run on day one of my period. I think bleeding from anywhere and running is like a heroic move. So I knew there was something in the power of it and the symbolism of it. And the fact that all over the world, women and people who bleed are hiding what's happening so naturally and beautifully. And it's actually mm -hmm. to our detriment. It's causing health problems. It's, it's, it's preventing disease from being diagnosed. It's preventing girls from having accurate education when they do start bleeding. Also mm -hmm. menopause, there's so much stigma around age. So right. 
I knew there was something there. And when I crossed the finish line and I wrote about this experience, it, tr- it changed my life because when we show up for ourselves and we're brave, you know, we end up showing up for so many more than we would have thought. So that story went viral and it really it sparked this conversation around why is it that we stigmatize menstruation, this normal biological fact. And to this day, we've just seen so much change in that conversation and so much more body positivity. Hmm. So you would you characterize that as the major change or i mean we all have lots of turning points in our lives along the way uh you're young and you're vibrant and so so was that one major one or the major one for you that brought you to where you are today absolutely 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 because it was on a global scale i mean even if you think about the career of a musician and the little bit of notoriety in the music world that i had gained as the drummer for mia and touring this spoke to women and people who bleed in every culture all across the world on levels that were unimaginable Mm -hmm. to me. And I think Mm -hmm. it just, it allowed me to remember the power of each of us that when we are moving authentically, when we are moving sincerely, earnestly with bravery, you know, really quite profound things can happen in our life. And I think for me, I like to measure my life by the depth and profoundness of experience. I can have a profound experience with an Uber driver, with a barista, with someone who crosses my life just in the plane for a moment. And this is how life feels long. It feels deep. It feels with with uh, profundity, you know, so that's how I try to measure measure things. Well, I got goosebumps because this is what I like. This is what I think I do. And a lot of people don't understand that. And, And that's like, yes. You're strange, you buddy. Now you've said that a few times. But you've, you're, but you've said that so many times. You've said people don't understand that. But I don't think this is esoteric. I think this is affirming. I think capitalism has taught us that we can't be joyful because actually what we're supposed to do is make a bunch of money. But I actually hmm. think this conversation is very accessible. I know what you mean, that people who don't want to tune into this because they it's safer to believe that yes. the hamster wheel job is the thing that I definitely agree with you that it's too scary to admit that the path that I'm on may not be serving me. So I'm just going to stay on the path. That's true. But I don't think it's esoteric. I think like optimizing for joy is accessible because it's childlike in its nature. It's very simple and pure in its nature. Well, that is, that is what I'm looking for because this is the thing. So if somebody's on a hamster wheel They've done this all the, all the time, but they know there's a voice inside them. They want to go express themselves in different ways because that's been placed in them somehow, right? By the divine or yes. whatever. But in the world today, people, not even today, for, for ages, if you leave your job and whatever you other people You're think crazy. about it, it's crazy. So it's in, in the sense, it's not esoteric because it's natural to us, right? So in that sense, it shouldn't be. But it has become somewhat woo-woo conversation. I'm a coach, for example, and they say, oh, he's a woo-woo coach. I like that. I'm the woo-woo coach. Yeah. Call me whatever you want to call me because I'm not your run-of-the-mill guy. But therefore, therefore, there are not that many people who are willing to take that chance that I did, for example, 20 years ago. Yeah. It's true. It takes an enormous amount of bravery. No, you're exactly right. It takes bravery. It takes a sense of self-confidence, which the word confidence Confidere, like with trust, with yes. fidelity, with belief within. Mm-hmm. It's a very deep thing to be able to trust the self in a world that's telling you the answers are externally on Google, in right. the Bible, with your yeah. therapist, in a book, on some podcast yes. that you have to listen to. But actually, the <laughs> real truth is 
your own experience to the world is what's needed. And we need you to tap in in order to right. witness the world in an authentic way. I do believe it's accessible. I, ha- I want to believe that it's accessible to more people. Yes. So, so again, I speak of authenticity and congruence a lot uh, and bold and conscious. These are my kind of yes. words that I you know, constantly. So, so authenticity is a term that's often used, but rarely understood in its depth. So from your experience, Karen, what is living authentically? I mean, you've described a bunch of these things. Uh, what does it mean at its core and how does that manifest in your day-to-day life decisions? I know you've made some shifts in, in let's say, not drinking and being plant-based, but how does it how does it hold you at its core? Yeah, I don't mind being quite personal because I've done so much work around this, which is that actually, you know, the longest time my father, he's a very big personality, very strong personality. He yells Oops. a lot. He's angry. He goes from zero to 100. And so... In the household, when I'm expressing myself and it's immediately attacked you know, from an adult who's supposed to be your caretaker and from the opposite gender, it's very oppressive. And so for the longest time, you learn how to avoid those situations, how to sort of play along, how to appease, but it actually will make you go crazy. It'll make you have bad behavior, bad habits, coping mechanisms. You don't feel good. And so then ultimately you're like, hmm, I've been trusting you. I've been following you. I've been participating in making sure that you're happy. And over time, I'm seeing that it actually doesn't benefit me. And that actually when mm-hmm. I follow my own path, I'm, I'm much more successful and, and joyful in a way that is good for me. And that actually, as if I make mistakes following my own intuition, I can manage for those mistakes because I chose to be there. If I've listened to somebody else who I think has my best interest at heart, which maybe they do or don't, but I'm not listening to myself. When I make those mistakes, it's way worse and way more painful because I didn't want to do that decision to begin with. And Mm. so really it's actually having that voice quieted, that feeling of authenticity and that true self, you know, being forced to be a role self, a role self, a role self over time. I've learned that it's just, how about no? How about I'm just here to shine? I'm, I'm here to be exactly who I am. If you want to come on the journey, come with me. If it's not for you, I'll keep a distance and I'll optimize for things that remind me to stay in the path of being myself and rewards that. So it's actually on the back of experiencing some trauma around being my authentic self and being afraid yes. to be that self that has made me shine even brighter. This is... You know, it resonates with me, obviously, because I've been through a similar, similar path and living most of my life pleasing somebody else, my, my dad or yes. my boss or what have you. So, yes. And yes. So, so I'm going to continue on the authentic living uh, question here, but it often comes with its challenges, as you described some, especially in the yes. public eye. So the work you do is in the public eye. So is there one or, or maybe, maybe one is enough you face in maintaining your authenticity and how you overcame it in, in given that you know you're you're so out there with you know with your music and with your activism i think when we grow up with a voice that feels critical then even if it's no longer that person's voice even at 34 about to be 35 that voice is still there especially when i'm quiet when i'm on more hormonal parts of my cycle and my emotions are not as confident and strong So you asked me about how do I overcome, but the hardest thing is actually routinely managing the inner voice of critique. This is not Mm. good enough. Nobody cares. You are not deserving. You are not worthy. You're not trying hard enough. Nothing is good enough. All of these voices are so strong, but they're not the truth. And when I sleep, when I drink water, 
when I go for a run, when I build sort of mini wins that allow me to come back to myself, then Mm -hmm. I'm fine to post on social media. Then I'm fine to engage with my friends and my community because I'm in alignment and I believe very genuinely with what I'm posting. But when my mental health is not right, then I actually refrain from posting because then I'm too addicted to the response and I'm too worried about the response. But if you're healthy mentally and you're fine mentally, then whatever you post, it doesn't matter. Like it's quite amazing how the lens and the goggles with which we see the world is completely based on what's happening in the mind. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to talk about bold because you know, you and your mom and I've seen that how bold you guys are uh, in living your authentic self. So in this book that I wrote last year, we define bold as has five elements. You know, it is, it is decisive, ambitious, convinced about and having the conviction of whatever you believe in. And then there are two H's, humility and, and heart-centered, which are, wow. so we're just, this is our own definition that we came up with. But wow. when I say that, how does that, what does that strike you? And how do you define that differently for you? If that feels good, it feels good for humility and heart-centered choices to be the North Star. It's so and How can that be bold in, most, so... in the traditional way, right? <laughs> yeah, because if you're bold from a heart space, it makes people feel good. It makes people feel teary-eyed. It makes people feel permission. It makes people want to express themselves more because you're modeling the behavior of look what happens when you express yourself. You actually are going to win. But we see so often someone expressing themselves and then they are oppressed for it. So most people are too afraid. But it's really quite wonderful when we're brave enough to express ourselves authentically and then others see it rewarded and celebrated and there's joy and success. Then people say, okay, cool. I also want to express myself and be honest and and authentic. So it's it's a leadership, you know, it's about leadership. Yeah. And that is something that my father um, very much celebrates in my brother and sister and I is go out there and be a leader. Use your skill sets for good. Um, use yeah. your passion for purpose. These are very much things that my father is even teaching um, right now through social impact at, at Harvard Business School. So, yes. you know, I give him that credit because my mom and my dad always raised us with a sense of you've been given a lot. So what are you going to do to build on that? And yes. uh, when I think of humility and heart-centeredness, it feels like it's forever. It feels sustainable. It doesn't feel like you're proving something to somebody else. It feels like you can be living to 120 from those two those two values alone. And then, yeah, of course, boldness. That's right. So that brings me to consciousness. Since you're a living example of consciousness, in a world where action is celebrated, introspection and self-care are like often, as I said, considered woo-woo. How do you incorporate those into your life? And particularly because you're also working with others and you have a team and, you know, you're creating music from, you know, out of, in other ways, I know that you've went, went down to Antarctica and did recorded a bunch of dolphin sounds and so on, which I want to talk about too, if, if you have time. So consciousness. You know, the immediate thing that comes to mind when I think of the word consciousness is presence of your human attention. And mm-hmm. if you look at the way even tech is structured right now, all of them are competing for our attention. Are you on our app? Are you scrolling on our app? How do we keep you streaming Spotify music for as long as possible? All right. they want is our attention on the app, on the platform. And that is because our attention is the most valuable thing there is. So we have to very intentionally and thoughtfully curate our 
attention, decide where am I going to give my human force, my eye contact, my love, my vitality, my vibrance. And I have learned that by choosing where it is that I want to show up, showing up fully, full presence, that's how I've benefited so many times in my life. I don't come half on my phone, half there. I don't arrive not wanting to be there. If I don't want to be there, I just don't go. If I don't want to show up, I just say it's a no for me. And it's actually the kindest thing you can do to somebody because then they will find wherever they also need to go. So consciousness for me is related to where do I joyfully, 100% with intention, place my human focus and attention? Beautifully said. I mean, we talk about in our book, it's consciousness is life is happening to me, by me, or or through me. So yes, sometimes it's all at once because yeah, I'm in charge. I'm I'm doing this, and then on the other hand, it's like I can't I can't. This is I'm part of life. Life is you know happening Hell to yeah. me. No, it's not. It's happening for, mm. for me to really learn something. So that brings me to what takes you to these extreme situations where you actually go down to the cold Antarctica and and then I I, I mean I'm only doing this based on what I know from from Instagram posts, and we haven't talked about this. So. What was the the genesis of that? And then I know you were after something with sounds and you're a drummer originally, but you're doing you know a lot of different music and percussion, et cetera, and creating sounds and authentic sounds that you incorporate into music. Is that fair to say or, or, or no? Yes, absolutely. I In the pandemic, where the only place we could be was nature, I started this process of recording nature sounds. And I spent time at a retreat center in Woodstock called Sound Mana, where one of the head instructors there taught me how to record raw sound material, like this a stream, pebbles dropping into the water, um, wood chips, you know, the wind, things like that, and sample the sound material and then produce electronic music. So the actual electronic music may sound like drums and synthesizers and bass tones that we recognize, you know, on the music industry, in the music industry today, but the music is 100% organically sourced from nature. And so you're repurposing the sounds to make synthesizers and drum kits, you know, that are rocks and pebbles and things like that, but sound like snare drums and kick drums. And Mm. so then I took the concept one step further during my master's uh, last year at Stanford. And I went out to Antarctica with a bunch of hydrophones, underwater microphones that Stanford Mm. Center for Computer Research in Music and Acoustics had taught me how to make. And we recorded the sound of, of the earth melting of glaciers under the water Um, literally melting in the ocean. And so it's Hmm. this tragic sound, but it's literally the sound of climate change. And I wanted to use that as an opportunity for empathy and for building awareness around what's happening. When we are closer to nature, when we fall in love with nature, we are more motivated to do something about it because we really feel that that sense of oneness that you have been talking about in this podcast. And Hmm. so the pack of music will come out in April It will be an opportunity for creators all around the world to make their own Antarctica beats. I'm hoping to make an AI um, kind of uh, computer generated sound also off of those um, individual musical pieces, and then hopefully a meditation album. Wow. Can't wait to hear all this. Thank you. Um, Thank you. So your music and we're talking about music now. So so your music and activism obviously resonate deeply on an emotional level with many people. That's why you have all these followers. How do you tap into your own emotional depths to create work that not only inspires, but also really catalyzes changes in others? I have to give credit to my partner for that. I think she and I have built like a really safe, good space 
for me to process so many of my Piscean rich, deep emotions. And actually the other day, a friend of mine had sent me a picture from the birthday book, which has a write-up of sort of a snapshot of someone's personality from every day of the year. And something that really resonated from mine, which is February 21st, was that people born on this day, they have a tough time feeling understood because they have a lot of emotional depth and Mm -hmm. therefore finding it hard to connect. And for me, it's true. I've always sought friendships that allow me to have deep emotional intimacy. And the book Mm -hmm. says, you know, once that person on February 21st finds the person who can hold space for that depth, you know, it's a wrap. That's their person. You know, they're so thrilled. Everything else, you know, is is easy. And for me, it's so true. I would have, I I wouldn't have been able to put that into my own words. Um, Hmm. But of all the things in my partnership right now that I'm so happy about, it is true that the way that she's able to hold space and allow me to process and release my emotions as they come and go, this has created enormous amounts of mental health and strength for me. Then I feel quite brave uh, when I go out in the world and I actually feel like I have a lot of bandwidth to give others. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously all this woo-woo stuff we've been talking about for most people here, as I said, maybe it's approachable now and it's, it's accessible. Yeah. There's yeah. a spiritual dimension to activism and art, right? And we, you've yes. talked about your spirit. And how does your spirituality or your, I guess, your personal belief system, because of whatever you believe, inform your activism and artistic expression? Because that is so you know, integrated and, or integral, I should say. One thing my parents, my mom and dad, did really well growing up, and especially for me being the eldest, they exposed us to so many cultures. My mother is Irish and Indian, so we were seeing... Uh, Catholic culture in Dublin. We were going to church, but then we were also celebrating all of the Hindu holidays and religions, especially when we lived in Mumbai. Now Mm -hmm. my mom's side of the family lives in Dubai, where we see um, a lot more of the Islamic culture permeate throughout the Middle East. My father is Sikh, so we go to the Gurdwara. We learn about that religion, kirtan, singing, mantras. Uh, Mm -hmm. We lived in Hong Kong. We lived in London. So I think it's exposure to so many types of religious traditions, spiritual traditions, and not being forced to be an active member of any one of them, but actually as a kid being able to see, wow, so many of these communities share many of the same values. It's heritage, culture, a sense of oneness, spirituality, the ability to vibrate your chest cavity with others while affirming things that are good for you in the mantras. Mm -hmm. So, so much of it um, is what I do as a musician, uh, but not through any one denomination. And so many of the values and morals that I've learned through religions, through spirituality, through my yoga and meditation, they come out in the lyrics. And so Mm. in that way, I love being able to be in one context, learn something, and then recontextualize it by having it in my music videos or or in my lyrics. Wow. So, you know, I call myself an omnist. I guess you are too. Yes. Because you're all embracing, right? It doesn't matter. The values are essentially... in. And the core values of all human beings are effectively the same. That's right. Uh, no matter what you follow. So, but surely none of this is possible without some kind of mentorship. I mean, you mentioned a couple of coaches or, or rather teachers. Um, yes. Is there, who have been your mentors or pivotal figures? You mentioned mom and dad too, as well, who've guided you towards yes. living in that authentic way. Every day I am listening to Deepak Chopra. I'm listening to his Mm. meditations. I actually think I'm quite impressed with the way that he has been able to distill so many of these ancient learnings, but um, remove them from their original context and make them applicable to today's context. I think that's where he adds enormous value to the conversation around consciousness today. And I benefit from it. And I think especially Mm. being Indian, I actually really appreciate learning from another Indian rather than learning yoga and meditation and turmeric lattes, you know, from the Western world. 
So I, I do appreciate that. But, you know, if I'm being honest in the personal reflection, I actually think I could stand to invite more mentorship into my life. I think I would really benefit from that. Okay, well, there you go. You're, you're, an, open, you're an open person. Calling it Here in. Calling it in. Yes. So I'm not going to say final questions because there are so many questions. The audience here who are aspiring entrepreneurs, let's say, who seek to lead with soul and authenticity, but they don't know it yet. Um, what message would you like to share with them to, along in their journey? Because it's post-pandemic, all the fears had come in. Now they seem to be, again, dissipated, but they're still unsure. I want to do something, but I don't know how yeah, or what. There's so many levels. You know, I think the simplest level is spend time by yourself. Then, you know, really, truly like be brave enough to just turn off the phone for, for a moment and, and be able to go inward. The second level would be genuinely sitting for meditation, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Whether you want to use a mantra to repeat, you can. Or if you want to just focus on the breathing, you can. An even deeper level than that is breath work, deep, intense, powerful breathing. That's this right. is a way to bring up trauma, to in intentionally hyperventilate so that you can realize what the cells and what sort of the subconscious are carrying a lot of times right. there is a lot of unexpected unexpected pain and mm -hmm. i think in the same way people you know are afraid of childbirth and and hyperventilating and cardio and things like that there's enormous amounts of uh, learning on the other side of that discomfort and i think mm -hmm. if you can do it privately then you don't feel distracted by the crazy faces or sounds you might be making to worry that somebody else is distracted I found that to be enormously cathartic, especially if you do it on a virtual platform where someone's guiding you. Deeper work, I mean, taking mushrooms, taking ayahuasca, like these sort of deeper plant-based medicines have really opened up so many of my own neuropathways. And it, it only took once or twice to benefit from that and then integrate in the real planet. So I think these are some of the, like, you know, my menu of options of to where to start. And then on okay. a daily basis, movement, meditation, you know, what food are you putting into your body, eating right, sleeping, water. So for me, I like to keep it real simple, like a little baby. You know, I don't like to, t I don't like to take too many of like the health fad things like that. I'm like, I'm more interested in what nature can provide. Beautiful guys. If you're listening and watching both here, take it from this person who knows what she's talking about. So are you um, open to some rapid fire questions? Let's go. Like one word, two words, whatever phrases. I'm in. Um, favorite city? New York City. Last book read? Uh, <laughs> adult children of emotionally immature parents. <laughs> that's a book? Yeah. That's a book you're writing or that's the book you read? <laughs> ah, exactly. A little bit of both. Okay. All right. Guilty pleasure. Sounds like you have none, but go ahead. Like gluten-free vegan carrot cake, oh. chocolate cake, cookies, like all the vegan junk food. Coffee or tea? Matcha. One word to describe your music. Joyful. Do you consider yourself an entrepreneur? Yes. If so, biggest role model in business? Oprah Winfrey. Oh, love it. Love it. Love it. The other questions I had, I don't think... We need to go through. So this is good. I really appreciate this. Awesome. Awesome. So I never, and this is one of my questions always that I end with, never take anything for granted. So I really appreciate your presence here. I feel like I can keep talking to you forever. I have this feeling. But truly, it's an honor because a lot of people who are listening, 
you know, hear your voice and you have, you have such a, I call you the force of nature. I don't know. I can't come up with any other word right now, but, or phrase right now, you, you are, uh, you're bold as bold can be. And I think these are feelings that people have these bottled up things like I can do this. I can do this. You are uniquely gifted. And I know you believe that. And that's how you've shared that some of you with, with us today. So in that vein, is there anything you discovered in this conversation here today? That I need to get some role models that, mm. that life is so beautiful, how you and I have met, you know, when I was a kid and now we have this gorgeous um, podcast opportunity. Mm. It's really kind. I feel really included and supported. Wow. It's just, it's just beautiful. And may we all keep our hearts open with great humility. Heart open. It's the only thing. It's the only thing that there That's is. That's my song, Heart Wide Open. So, so I have three songs here. I wanted to see if you can do a snippet for us. The first one on my list was Heart Wide Open. Then it was Date Me and Set Me Free. And I, and I like the, the light sort of chorus in the, in the Heart Wide Open, you know, in the light. And yeah. The would you, would yeah, you be able to do I that? Mean, acapella. I, yeah, of course. I can do a little acapella, but I think you've got to just play them the track because so much of my talent is actually in the production of it, you know, the, the multi-layers and the sampling and things like that. But I think I might use that for my audio recording open. for this podcast. Maybe I'll Yeah, tip stick yeah, absolutely. Use yeah. Heart Wide Open for sure. I, I can do sure. a little bit though. Um, yeah, sure. That'd be great. Thank I really you. Love, I really love singing the post-chorus of Heart Wide Open because I sing it a lot as a mantra for myself. Which uh -huh. is, um, and I'm keeping it honest now. I'm keeping it honest, keeping it wise. I'm keeping it healthy. I'm keeping it pure and I choose to survive. And I'm staying on it. When I'm staying on it, I change my life. I'm changing my life. I'm changing my life now, now. Moving towards the light. The light, the light. That's the part that you like. So that's, yes. that's also my favorite part because I was, it was my birthday uh, when I wrote that and I was on the flight uh. back from Costa Rica um, to Stanford uh, mm. a couple years ago. And I remember feeling, I felt great depth when I wrote those lyrics and I was like, yep, these are the lyrics. It's, it has um, importance for me. It has profoundness for me. Beautiful. My goodness. I tell you that there is a reason why, why people are, you know, sort of uh, drawn to you. So Keep this up. I really, really, I'm honored that you're here. Thank you so much. And uh, maybe we'll do more of these in the future. Thank you, Karen. And uh, I'll put the sh details of how they can reach you or, or watch you, uh, you know, in our show awesome. notes here. Okay. 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 Thanks so much, Karen. Take good care. Thank you. Thank you. And that, my friend, brings us to the end of another episode of Bold Conscious Connections. I hope today's conversation has sparked new ideas and inspired you to embrace your own journey of growth and entrepreneurship. Remember, every step forward is a step towards achieving your dreams and your success. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and download the episode that you heard today. This way you can stay connected with our community of bold and conscious leaders. Take at least one action today, my friend, towards your goals and join us next time for more empowering stories and insights. Here is to your power. <laughs>